0: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the first day of June 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this at a Little League field at the place where Los Angeles, South Pasadena, and Pasadena all meet. That's right, three, well, three towns, three places with, as I like to say, three different mayors, South Pasadena, Pasadena, and Los Angeles, all converge on this field at Arroyo Arroyo Park here, and my kids are about to play Little League. This is going to be, if not my last chance to see them play Little League, then certainly one of my last chances to see them play Little League. And you know, I don't ever want to be a father who forces things down their kid's throat. I've had people... you know, I remember when the Red Sox were in the 2013 World Series, I had a friend of mine over for dinner, and he turned to my boys and said, boy, your dads must have made you watch every inning of that World Series. And I kind of shrugged and said, no, he didn't watch it. No, and he looked I at mean, me... The by the way, we have a PA, and now outside started at this, le- this Little day. League game. <laughs> but yeah, I want to let you know, for the record... My kids aren't playing yet. They're practicing. This is the game that's going on just before them. But my point was is that I made it clear that I wasn't going to force my kids to be super into baseball. And to be fair, they haven't been. You know, they like playing Little League, but they don't love it. They like watching part of a game with Daddy, but it would never occur to them to put on a game on their own. They like to cheer a game. If I take them to a ball game, they'll cheer and they'll clap and they'll hope to see a home run, but they'll also be concentrating on other little things. And if I said to them, what would you like to do? I think going to a baseball game would be far, far down on their priority list. Does that make me sad? No, no, it doesn't make me sad because I love my boys. I love exactly who they are. And I don't want to change anything, because if I change one thing, it's that, whole, it's that whole pulling the string on a sweater or understanding that the way that time and space unfolds is not linear. If you change one thing, it affects everything else. If they're suddenly baseball fans, and they're not into animals or dinosaurs or Marvel Comics or DC Comics or nature the way that they are now. That means they'd be different. They'd be different people. And would I love them the same? Absolutely. But I love exactly how they are. So the notion of them not being big baseball fans, yeah, part of me wishes I had one of them become a big fan and it becomes something that we do during the summer is watch a lot of games together and get into it the same way my mother and father were super into baseball and I got into it. But you know what? My brother's no longer a big fan. And I still love him. So there's part of me is a little bit wistful of this day or maybe this weekend will be the last time I could potentially see them play baseball, wearing uniforms, with gloves. And I'm going to savor it. I'm going to savor this moment because, you know, eventually they, they stopped doing it. You know, I played Little League until... I think sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. I played junior high school. I played high school. I was on the varsity team. But that was on the varsity. Everyone got on the varsity. We were in a small school, and I wasn't any good. And I didn't play my senior year because it was clear I wasn't going to start. And it was also clear that I had to make a choice between acting in the play or playing baseball. And I made the choice of acting in the play because I was a very good actor. And part of me kind of regrets that decision. Do you know why? I've acted since. But I've never worn a uniform and been part of a team after that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of miss that. So it doesn't mean as much to my kids. You know, my kids take a martial arts class. It's uh, It's this Korean martial arts called Hapkito. And they're super into that. They get into that. They put on the outfit, they kick, they they go, you know, they do all this. I don't know, what do I know from Hapkido? And they act like Jedi when they wear it because they look badass when they wear it. And they're good at it. And so, you see, do you know what? They evolve in their own way. You know, I'm sure my mother and father never thought that they would have a son who would be recording onto a little recorder like I am right now every single day to talk about baseball. But I evolved that way. My kids are evolving the way they are. So I'm going to savor this game. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't mind seeing them get a couple of big hits. You know, I've seen them. You know, it's funny. There are times that when they get into it, like I've seen my son Maddie get some extra base hit, like line a triple into the gap. I've seen him go first to third at a ball in there, and I've seen my son Aiden, who I will admit doesn't have the best power swing I've ever seen. But when he gets on base, he has the biggest smile on his face. And when he scores a run, I've taken a few pictures of him, and the grin that he has when he scores a run and things are going well, it's the happiest face you ever see. But when things aren't going well, and I talked about this last year, when things aren't going well, oh, man. He just doesn't, he, if he thinks something isn't fair, man, he just hates that more than anything. Fairness, inconsistent umpire calls, that's what he can't deal with. So here we are at this little league field where LA, Pasadena, and South Pasadena all meet, and this lunatic father decides not to be the crazy, domineering, great Santini dad forcing baseball down my kid's throat and realizing this might be the end of any baseball participation that they have. And I'm fine with that because I'm fine with them. I was thinking about my own little league time. And, man, I always wished I was a better player than I was. I really do. I had a couple of decent games, but I just, there were just times where I just couldn't get the big hit or I couldn't make the big play. Man, nobody wanted to do it more than me. And I think that instance, the way that I never became the great Little League player despite practicing and wanting it, is the, the, the living epitome of, I, I think, the whole notion of, well, do you know what? If you just put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want, and if you just dream big, you can succeed. Well, that's that's a crock of crap. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes, no matter how hard you practice, no matter how much you want it, eh, if you're not that good, it's not going to happen. And that's exactly what happened to me in little league. I remember the most important thing to me when I was a kid. And when I started playing Little League, I started playing Little League when I was in the second grade, cars driving past me, when I was in the second grade in Weston, Massachusetts. And I knew there was only one thing I wanted to be, and that was a pitcher. And first year I didn't get to pitch, and second year, third year, fourth year, I didn't get to pitch, I didn't get to pitch. But then finally when I got to what was called the majors, and we had terrible uniforms. I was in the Phillies, and our uniforms looked awful. I talked about a Little League uniform. That's been a subject on a couple of podcasts. I'm not going to get into right now. But finally, in the first game of that year, we had a lead like 5 nothing. And my dad was one of the coaches and put me in to pitch. And friends, I finally had my moment. I had my moment in the sun to pitch. And it was like a dream. It's like my whole life I said, I'm going to be a major league pitcher. And this is step one. At the beginning of a long, beautiful journey to being a major league pitcher. And on the mound, friends, against the Weston Cubs, your pal Sully ate it. I was horrible. I was the worst. My pitches were flying all over the yard. They got hit when I, when they wasn't when I wasn't walking batters. They were just they were flying over the infield. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. And we had a 5-nothing lead and friends, by the time I left the mound, we had lost the game 6 to 5. I remember my last year of little league. Yeah, I'd never made an all-star team. I was never one of the elite players. And our team was really kind of bad, but my dad was the coach of it, and my dad was a great Little League coach. Now, mind you, when I say a great Little League coach, I don't mean we had a great win-loss record, because we didn't. But everyone got to play. Everyone got to participate. And I've talked about this a little bit before. That you know There were some kids on our team, like, for example, Jerry Sullivan was on our team. And Jerry was not one of the jocks, and Jerry never got to get a chance to pitch whenever he played on teams. When I was on our team, he told my dad he wanted to pitch, and my dad gave him a chance to pitch. And he would never get a chance from any other coach, because he wasn't one of the, as I said, he wasn't one of the big athletic kids. And he wound up pitching later on in junior high school and high school. It was my dad who gave him a break. I remember we had another kid named George Drake who was on our team. And George, hey, he was, let me put it this way, there were no scouts looking at George. George didn't get a full ride at Cal State Fullerton to play baseball, but he was on our team, and my dad made sure he got to play, and he got to play in the games. And I remember George Drake's dad was so happy and so thankful that he was able to get a chance to play One other, coaches wouldn't put him in. And everyone got a shot, and we didn't win many games. But, man, everyone had fun. Everyone had fun on our team. Everyone got to get in. Everyone got to try. No one. There wasn't that sense of, okay, the jocks are playing. If you're not a jock, you're going to ride the pine. And I've always thought that that was the greatest sign of being a great Little League coach. Because, do you know what? You know what? No one's going to know your record. I don't care. I don't care if you won the, the tournament for Round Table Pizza or for Trader Joe's. I really I don't really give a damn. What I care about is that this is the time when kids get to play baseball. And this is the time that kids get to go in and have that participation. Look, at my kids are never, as I said, are never going to be great baseball fans or great baseball fanatics. But they are going to have that period of time where they wore a uniform, where they were on a team. And they sometimes got hits. And they sometimes rounded third and headed for home. And my dad understood that. I'll never forget there was a time when, if I told the story, I, I, forgive me. But I had the best game I ever had in my life. Best game I ever had as a pitcher. Best game I ever had as a hitter. I, tried, I I ran out on every ball. I got the big hits. I pitched my guts out. It was one of the few times I was up there pitching my guts out. And everyone else was making errors. Everyone else was letting balls run through their legs. It was just, it was a calamity. And I remember... I went home and just tears going down my face saying I played the game of my life and no one else did and we got our butts kicked and my dad consoled me and my dad made sure that I knew that he was proud that I tried my best and that I had a game where even though we got killed that he knew that no one wanted to win more than me. And he said, I wish I could put nine of you out there. And I think my father was the only person in the history of humanity who wanted to have nine Paul Sullivans on the field. There was one time when I was pitching, and the umpire was the father of one of the kids. And I like had a full count on the kid. And I threw one right down the heart of the plate, and the kid didn't swing, and the father called it ball four. And, it, you know, it just started a calamity right there. And later, the guy came up to my dad and said, what was I going to do? I can't call my kid out. I think, oh, what a great lesson you're teaching your kids there. I remember one time my dad was the umpire, was acting as an umpire, and I stood there as a ball one right down the heart of the plate, and my dad just said, you're gonzo. And off I went. We were playing. There was always a jerk coach. There was always that Vic Morrow from Bad News Bears coaching somewhere. We have a few here in Pasadena. And I remember we were playing them and we were winning by one. And my dad brought me out to pitch the final inning. Now, if you know me, and I know I do, you know that if my one major ambition in life as a baseball player was to be the bullpen closer and my dad brought me in to be a bullpen closer and I came in and I struck out the side and when it was over I ran up and I jumped on my dad in this big bear hug like we did it we beat that team now we didn't go far in the playoffs I think we got our butts handed to us now if I had told the story already and forgive me, but I think it's worth telling on a day like this. That was the year we were a bad team, but every team had three or four players who were selected to play in the All-Star game in our town. And the All-Star team got a... There were two teams that would be set up, and you got nicer-looking uniforms, and you got to play. And these are where the the jocks got to play in this. Adam Alexander, Alex Gallagher, Matt Weiner, like the elites got to play in this, John Prell. I mean, these are guys who were, these guys were jocks. They were the guys you you, you were fearful of. And so finally, and I was a wannabe jock. That's what I, I wanted to be a jock more than anything. The one thing I lacked was ability. If I, you know, if I had ability, I would have been one of the greatest players of all time. That was the one thing I lacked was talent. And so finally, my brother got to plan an all star team. And when I saw my brother Ted plan an all star team, man, I couldn't have been more proud. My brother's been nominated for an Emmy. My brother's written for some great television shows. And yet, his being on the Weston, Massachusetts all star team, I think should be top line on his LinkedIn page. So when I finally got it, it was like I got my uniform. It was a Yankee uniform. Can you believe I got to wear a Yankee uniform? And I was playing on that, playing the Reds. And half of the town was on, you know, there was like 10 All-Stars on the Yankees, 10 All-Stars on the Reds. And I was one of them. Like, you're yeah, damn right. I finally did it. Now, of course, by Yankee, it was a black top with an NY on it and, and white pants. But do you know what? Who cares? I finally got to be an All-Star. And it was that morning that your pal Sully woke up with diarrhea. I had a massive case of diarrhea that day, to the point where I was just dehydrated, and my mom, who knew what this meant, and my dad knew what this meant, but they just saw I was sick. I was too sick to play, and it was clear there was no way that I could responsibly go in there and play. And there was also no way that I wasn't. I didn't care. Your pal Sully didn't care that I had diarrhea and white pants. I was going to be an all-star. You were not going to take this away from me because I knew that was my last year of Little League. This was my only year to be an all-star. And I wasn't going to toss that down the toilet just because... I was sitting on the toilet. So friends, I went out there and I did my best. Was I dynamic? No. Did I ground out twice? Yes. Did I see a ball hit by George Rivera go over my head and over the fence for a home run? You bet. Did I contribute? No, I didn't. Did our team lose? Yes, I did. Did I have to go into the woods at one point? You bet I did. Was I an all-star? you damn right I was. Do I still think about that as one of the proudest moments of my life? What do you think? That was in 1985. It's now 2016 and your pal Sully is still talking about it. So this game's gonna start up pretty soon. So go to sullybaseball.wordpress.com Go to MLB Reports to catch the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. You can follow me on Stitcher, iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Podbean. I'm on Tuned In. Uh, I'm on Instagram. If you go to Sully Baseball Podcast, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the first day of June, 2016. Let's go, guys. It's one last chance to be ball players. And I'm their dad. You can call me Sully. Epilogue. It's now 40 minutes after when first pitch was supposed to begin for this game. And the game before has gone into extra innings. If the third baseman and the other team had just stepped on third base at one point instead of trying to make a throw home, that game would have been over. But instead, this has gone into extra innings. And my kids still haven't played yet. It was a seven o'clock start time. It's 7.41. The other team is still on the field. We may be here for a very, very long time. So we are now an hour past start time. Both games, the game is still going on ahead of us. We haven't started yet. This is insane. And it is an hour and 20 minutes late, and this game before us is still tied with no end in sight. Hour and a half after supposed first pitch. Still no end in sight. Our game hasn't started. And at 8.52, an hour and 52 minutes after we were supposed to start, the other game ends now let's see what happens we have to begin our game. it's nine o'clock at night we were supposed to start at seven and we're beginning it's 10 o'clock at night our team is losing four to two but my son Aiden drove in a run. the game is finally over. why? because the lights were shut off it's 1037. at night. All right, folks. This has been the epilogue to the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast.